0: everybody got a row <laughs> all right today's uh, message is really a transitional one we're at the conclusion of the holy days the holy season uh, that spans really from Thanksgiving to Epiphany though thanksgiving is somewhat of a um, American Christian uh, holiday with um, with connections really to the fall holy days. Um, This period includes Thanksgiving and Advent for four weeks and Hanukkah for eight days and Christmas for 12 days and then Epiphany. Epiphany jumps sometimes over multiple weeks or a single event depending on the church tradition. From there we're going to enter into ordinary time or common time. Uh, until the spring, when the holy days include uh, Purim and Lent and Holy Week and Passover and uh, unleavened bread and um, first fruits of resurrection, then of course that'll be followed immediately by the counting of the Omer and the Sabbaths towards Shavuot and Pentecost. So between these times of memorials of what God has done and what He will do, for each of the holy days, look back and look forward. We live between the ascension and the return of our Lord. We look back at his appearing, his epiphany. And we look forward to his revelation, his unveiling at the second coming. And at that time he will restore the kingdom to Israel. And he will establish peace over all the nations. His ancient people will be the head and not the tail. And those of us who are redeemed from the nations will reflect that glory in the whole earth with the knowledge of the Lord. So today, as we uh, have commemorated the baptism of our Lord, I want to address that event uh, in the context of a statement made by the Apostle Peter in the book of Acts. So I'd like you to turn with me to Acts chapter 1. We're going to pick it up at verse 12. I'm going to read this section, There, I want to look at two verses particularly. Um, When they returned to Jerusalem, this is right after the ascension, from the Mount of Olives, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. When they entered the city, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, that is, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon the son of the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. Uh, these all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brethren. Uh, the twelve are there, the eleven are there. Uh, there were always a group of women that were with the disciples, and a group of other people who were also with them as well, as we will see. At this time, Peter stood up in the midst of the brethren, a gathering of about 120 persons. And he said, Brethren... The scriptures had to be fulfilled which the Holy Spirit foretold by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was counted among us and received his share in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with the price of his wickedness, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle and all his intestines gushed out. And it became known to all who were living in Jerusalem so that in their own language, that field is called uh hokadama, that is the field of blood. Now that's added um, at the time of the writing, not at the time Peter is speaking. So Peter continues. It is written in the book of Psalms, let his homestead be made desolate, and let no one dwell in it. And let another man take his office. This word office here is episkopos. It has the idea of... Um, a overseer in that sense. Therefore it is necessary that of the men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us beginning with the baptism of John until the day he was taken up from us one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they put two men forward Joseph called Barsabbas and one called Justice uh, who is called Justice and Matt, Matthias And they prayed and said, You, Lord, know the hearts of all men. Show us which one of these two you have chosen to occupy this ministry and apostleship from which Judas has turned aside to go to his own place. And they drew lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was added to the eleven apostles. Now I want you to look specifically at verses uh, 21 and 22. Peter says it's necessary that of the men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. There is a tendency among Christians to think Jesus spent a lot of time just with 12 people. uh, And occasionally there were some women and occasionally there were some other people. That is not true. There were people around him all the time. And there were people who were learning from him who were disciples. He had chosen 12 to be specifically his witnesses. He tells them that they will sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So there is much about the kingdom that is, that is going on here. But it's important to understand that other people were part of this from the very beginning. Uh, as he says, beginning with the baptism of John until the day that he was taken up from us. So this witness to the resurrection of Jesus is not just... Narrowly focused on the resurrection. Of course the resurrection. Is critical. But it's about the entire ministry. That Jesus did. From the time of his baptism. Until his ascension. So this one then. Notices. uh, That this period that. Peter is talking about. Is really what the witness is about. These are eyewitnesses. Of all that Jesus taught. And all that he did. And Matthias was one of those and he is now put into that place. These two events, the baptism of John and the ascension, are the bookends of Jesus' earthly ministry. All that he said and did is validated by the fact that God raised him from the dead, declaring him to be God's son. And so, the message of the resurrection is central to the good news to Israel in that the sin of Jacob has been dealt with and the kingdom is ready to be restored. It's very important to understand that that's central to the meaning. Otherwise, we kind of turn this into individual salvation because Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead, which is absolutely true. But it is not the focus of the gospel text that we sometimes misread. So, we've just gone through the celebration of the Incarnation and we've read the Gospel Nativity text. We've sung the Songs of Christmas. This is all good and important. But the focus of the Gospels and their starting point is the baptism of John. And so I want us to take a look at that. We're going to quickly go through some text so that I can establish that point. And I'm going to use that to kick off what I hope will be the next series that uh, we will be doing. That's why I said this is a transitional message. In Matthew chapter 3, we're going to look at each of the Gospels. Matthew chapter 3, which was already read, we're not going to read that in detail. I just want to look at this um, first verse that is established. Now in those days, John the Baptist, uh, my friend John... uh, Fisher likes to change this every time he reads it. John the Immerser, John the Presbyterian, John the Methodist, because of the idea of Baptists, you know, because of the denomination Baptist. Uh, John the, the Big Dipper. He uses a lot of a lot of those terms. So I can't read this without thinking of him uh, doing that. Uh, he came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is the one referred to by Isaiah the prophet when he said the voice of one crying in the wilderness make ready the way of the Lord and his path straight. I'm hoping we'll change this in the NASB. This is a little um, uh, incorrect in the way it's done. It is the voice crying in the wilderness prepare a way for the Lord. Okay. If you read Isaiah, it's really clear what's going on here. It's not a voice crying in the wilderness. We've turned that into an idiom. I'm a voice crying in the wilderness, which means I'm the only one doing this. He is the voice crying. What is he crying? In the wilderness, prepare a highway for the Lord that will lead to Jerusalem and the kingdom to come. This is about the preparation for the kingdom. And it is the kingdom that Israel is waiting. And we read through the Gospels, uh, particularly at this time of year, uh, these ones who are waiting for the consolation of Israel and waiting for the kingdom to come. And, and that is the focus that is here. Clearly quoting Isaiah in the preparation for the kingdom to come. Now in Mark chapter 1, so we've done Matthew. Matthew gives us a little bit, so we started in chapter 3, but in Mark we start right in chapter 1. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah. I always tell you that Isaiah is the gospel in the Older Testament. All of the gospels stand on Isaiah. Behold, I send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying in the... Crying in the wilderness. Make ready the way of the Lord. His paths. Make his paths straight. And then it says. John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness. Preaching a baptism of repentance. For the forgiveness of sins. Now who is John. First of all. A little statement. That was a misstatement earlier. Uh, um, John is not of the same tribe as Jesus. They are maternal cousins. John's father is Zacharias. He is of the tribe of Levi. Jesus is from the tribe of Judah. That's significant. That's important. Those are the details that we tend to slip on that are really important in understanding these texts. So, uh, there is a baptism of repentance to Israel for the forgiveness of sins. God promised Israel, I will take away your sins. Bring you back into the land. Put my spirit within you. And you will walk in my Torah. From the heart. That's what this is all about. He is coming as the high priest. After the order of Melchizedek. To provide that sacrifice. Which will be for Israel. Now thank God it's for the whole world. But it's focus here. Is on Israel. And as we. Look through the gospel of Matthew. It's very clear that that's what he's doing. We'll see that in a minute. Now, in Luke uh, chapter 1. Verse 5 says, In the days of Herod, king of Judea there was a priest named Zacharias of the division of Abiha, and his wife uh, he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron and her name was Elizabeth so here we are the tribe of Levi this is John's lineage now I want you to turn with me to chapter 3 uh, where we'll pick this up because Luke gives us both the lineage and birth of John and then the birth of, uh, of Jesus in, uh, in chapter 3 we have the passage that we've read, we're all familiar with, this idea of the um, of the birth of Jesus. In 2, in chapter 3, we get these words. Verse 3, he came into all the district around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance For the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make ready the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Every ravine will be filled. Every mountain and hill will be brought low. The crooked will be made straight. And the round road smooth. And all flesh shall see the salvation of the Lord. Now he's baptizing not Gentiles. John is baptizing Israel, and he is bringing them into preparation to receive the messianic kingdom. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. A kingdom that will be on earth. A kingdom that Jesus will teach his disciples to pray. Thy, will be, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that's, that's important stuff for us to, to keep in mind. Um, so, John I, uh, Luke is giving us the same thing that Matthew and Mark have given us. Now, John tells us a little different in this context, and I want us to focus on that. In John chapter 1, trying to remind you that these are Jewish texts written by Jews to Jews. Uh, and, And very few Gentiles have access to this at the time these things are going on and certainly for quite a while afterwards. So in John's gospel, John 1 verse 6, John says, There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light, which coming into the world, enlightens every man. And so, John is mentioned at the beginning of each of the Gospels, because it is the, the statements in Isaiah, all many of them that we'll see as we go through Matthew, that become the foundation For this good news to Israel, to the Jew first, that includes us through the mystery of the gospel, as uh, as Paul talks about that. Now, this significant link between Isaiah and John, and John and Jesus, is really important for us to understand when we understand Jesus' baptism. So again, I want to look at each of these guys really quickly. And... uh, And so we go back to John 3. I mean Matthew 3. Real quickly. This time at verse 13. We'll just look briefly at a couple of verses. Matthew 3.13 When Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan. Coming to John to be baptized. But John tried to prevent him saying. I need to be baptized by you. And you are coming to me. Jesus answered and said to him. Permit it at this time for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness and he permitted him and after being baptized Jesus came up out of the water and behold the heavens were open and, and he John saw the spirit of God descending as a dove and light, lighting on Jesus and behold a voice out of the heavens said this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This baptism of Jesus establishes the announcement by God the Father that this is his Son empowering him by the Spirit without measure, the Scripture says, in order to manifest so that he can say to his disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so he can say to those who would oppose him, you can blaspheme me, but if you blaspheme the Spirit, there is no forgiveness. That that connection is important. Now Mark gives us the same focus in Mark chapter one, verses nine to eleven. Mark one, nine to eleven. In those days Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, was baptized by John. In the Jordan. Immediately coming up out of the water. He saw the heavens open. And the spirit like a dove descending on him. And a voice came out of the heavens. You are my beloved son. In you I am well pleased. So we have that same uh, statement and emphasis. Of the voice of the father. The descent of the spirit. And the person of Jesus being declared at that point. In Luke chapter 3. Welcome to Bible Drill 2019. In Luke chapter 3 verses 21 and 22. It says all the people were baptized. Jesus was also baptized. And while he was praying heaven was open. The Holy Spirit descended upon him in the form like a dove. And a voice came out of heaven. You are my beloved son. In you I am well pleased. Now John gives us... Uh, a very important insight to this. So John chapter 1. John chapter 1 beginning at verse 19. This is the testimony of John the Baptist when the Jews uh, sent to him priests and Levites. Now, the Judeans here, the Jews that is talking about, this is not all the Jews of Israel. This is the leadership. Okay, this guy's, there's stuff going on down here with this John guy. And we we need to check this, check him out. So they said, who are you? And he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. And they said, what then, are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet, the prophet that's supposed to come? And he answered, no. And they said to him, who are you, so that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? He goes back to the Isaiah passage. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. And they uh, Now they had been sent from the Pharisees here. And they asked him and said, why then are you baptizing if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And John said, I'm baptizing in water, but there, one, there stands one among you who you do not know. It is he who comes after me. The thong of his sandal I'm not worthy to untie. And he says this in Bethany uh, beyond the Jordan where he was baptizing. Now the next day it says he saw Jesus coming and said behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he on behalf of whom I said after me comes a man who is of a higher rank than me for he existed before me. I did not recognize him but so that he might be manifested to Israel I came baptizing in water. Catch that. Really important. In order that he The Messiah. Might be manifest. That word is related to our word epiphany. He might be shown. Manifest to Israel. I came baptizing in water. And John testified saying. I have seen the spirit descending as a dove out of heaven. And remain on him. I did not recognize him. But he who sent me to baptize in water said. He upon whom you see the spirit descending and remaining. He is the one. Who baptizes in the Holy Spirit, I have seen this and have testified that he's the Son of God. We have the Father testifying we have John testifying that this is the one sent to Israel. Now this is important and I'm monitoring my time. From this point, Jesus now is going to begin his ministry and the ministry of John is going to to fade. And Jesus is going to specifically have witnesses for Israel. Chief among them, Peter, who is the apostle to the circumcised. I want you to look at Matthew chapter 10. Matthew 10 tells us, in the first six verses, Jesus summed his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out to heal every kind of disease, every kind of sickness. Now the name of the twelves among these are the first Simon who is called Peter, Andrew his brother, James the son of Jebedee, John his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot and Judas Iscariot. The one who betrayed him. Now, listen to the message of Jesus. These twelve Jesus sent out after instructing them Do not go in the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter the city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse the lepers. Cast out demons. Freely you've been given. Freely give. This ministry of the apostles. Is primarily focused on Israel. And we'll see that in a number of ways. That we don't usually see that. Because we tend to have this idea. That Jesus is focused on the world. And he's focused on Israel. Now if we back up to chapter 9 verse 9. We get the calling specifically of Matthew. Jesus went on from there and he saw a man named Matthew sitting in the tax collector's booth and he said to him, follow me. This is how a rabbi calls someone to be a disciple. And he got up and followed him. And it happened that as Jesus was reclining at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were dining with Jesus and the disciples. Now, there were no Baptists there. No Presbyterians. No Romans. No Greeks. These were Jews. These were the Jews who were not following the Lord. Jesus takes Matthew... And in Matthew's house, all of his fellow tax collectors come, and all the ones who are not following Torah. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to the disciples, Why is your teacher eating with tax collectors and sinners? When he heard this, he said, It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. So go and learn what this means. I desire compassion or mercy and not sacrifice. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So now we have, the focus is that God's son is focused on Israel. And he's specifically after the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Those who have turned or fallen away from Torah. To bring them back. And to deal with their sin. I want you to just real quickly look at uh, Matthew chapter 4. I know I'm going backwards in this, but I want you to see this. Verse 23. Jesus' ministry begins going through the Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. Why is Jesus doing this? He's doing this because when the kingdom comes, there will be no disease. When the kingdom comes, death will be a stranger. He is manifesting that the kingdom is here and that that kingdom that Israel has desperately wanted is ready for them to be ready for it. And then he says, The news about him spread all throughout Syria and they brought to him all who were ill, suffering of various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. Large crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and Jerusalem and Judea and far beyond the Jordan. I want you to catch something. The Jews of that time did follow Jesus. The leadership did not. We have a tendency in Christian thinking to think all the Jews uh, just rejected him out of hand. No, the people wanted him and all that he taught. This is why I sometimes think it's easier to reach, maybe we should focus our outreach uh, to Israel on those who are away from Torah rather than those who are, are following Torah because they are the ones that might respond more to this need for the kingdom in that sense. Jesus' ministry is welcomed by the Jewish people, but he is a threat to the Jewish leadership and the chief priests will be the primary enemies of him as well as some among the Pharisees. Now Matthew's gospel ends with the crucifixion, resurrection and commission of these witnesses in Galilee. So Matthew doesn't give us the ascension story. For that we have to go to Luke uh, 24 so I'd like you to turn there in Luke 24 verse 36 through 53 what we get is the crucifixion if you'll see the words there and the burial and then the resurrection uh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm looking at 23. Uh, in 24 at 36, we get these words. He was telling these things. This is after his resurrection. He was telling these things. He stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought that they were seeing a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see me have. A physical, literal resurrection. Because the kingdom has to be literal and physical and in this. If he doesn't restore this creation, the new creation will have no meaning to us. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still could not believe it because of their joy and amazement, he said to them... Do you have anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish. He took it and ate it before them. He said, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you. That all the things are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. There's a whole lot in the Torah, in the prophets, and in the Psalms that has not yet been fulfilled. Because they're about the kingdom to come. And he will fulfill that when he returns. But he says this. It was written that the Messiah should suffer and rise again from the dead the third day. And that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed by his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold I'm sending forth the promise of my father upon you. And you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And then in verse 50, we get the ascension. He went out to Bethany. He lifted up his hands and blessed them. And as he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And after worshiping him, returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And were continually in the temple praising God. You see the Jewish story here? Now, from this point the apostles' message of repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel will ultimately include those of us from the nations. So it's important for us to hear their message in the first context so that we are, just as we are instructed to hear the words of Moses. And the words of Moses are not directly to us, but God said to Israel, when you do these things, the nations around you will see and say, what nation has a God so wise and so great with all of these commandments? In other words, when Israel is in obedience to the Torah, it will be attractive to the Gentiles for them to learn, not to become Jews, but to learn so that their nations will reflect that as well. And that's part of what we need to do. So, it's important that we hear the words of Moses through Israel. I'll just read them for ourselves independently. And that we are instructed in all that Jesus taught and did by his apostles, also Israel. So, what I'm wanting to do is a different kind of sermon series. Starting next week. I'm calling it Discussions in Matthew. I want us to gather together, I want us to read the Gospel of Matthew and see it as it would be understood by those to whom it was written, Israel, and then how it can be applied to us, God-fearers from the nations and followers of Yeshua. We're going to follow the pattern that we do with the, with the book of Jonah on, um, uh, on Yom Kippur, where we read a section of the text, I make some comments about it, I'll try to give the initial application to Israel, and then we'll engage in an open discussion of its application uh, for us along with them. And in this way we will maintain the importance of the centrality of Israel to the text and will be able to find our place as believers in the God of Israel and fellow heirs of the Israel of God. As we progress through the book, we will do that based on the pace set by our interests and our discussions. And I hope it will be a continued discussion within your households and in the congregation. There is a danger of just coming and hearing a message. And what I want is more of the discussion. So what we'll do is we'll, we'll do that. I'll make a comment. We'll stop the tape. We'll have our discussion. We'll start the tape again because I don't want our discussion out there in... in uh, Blah, blah, land, right? In that context. Now, let me give you just a tease on this. Why is this important? I have heard the Sermon on the Mount my entire Christian life. And at the point where where Jesus says, you are the light of the world. It is always inferred or directly taught that he's talking to me. I'm the light of the world. That's not what that context is. There are no Baptists, no Americans, no Venezuelans in that crowd. He is talking to Israel, who is to be a light to the nations. And he says to them, you are the light of the world. What are you hiding it for? This is really important because at the end of his ministry, Israel is going to be distributed again. Its purpose is to enlighten us as to what God's done. And we have gone around that and I think substituted some things that ought not be there. So I want us to try to regain that Israel central focus for they are special revelation. And then say, based on that, how do we reflect that light, they in a sense are the source of that light, we reflect that light as the nations that come alongside them so that the whole world can see the glory of God through his Messiah, through his chosen people, through his word and through his church. So I hope you'll do that. I'm thinking about at the sermon time as the children go out there, we'll all move in here so that we're closer and we can have that conversation. But I really hope that you'll read through Matthew ahead. Now I need you to read the, the beginning of Matthew. Get through the genealogy and the parts that we've just done through Epiphany. Get up to the baptism of Jesus. We're going to cover that next week and do it quickly as we address. It'll be kind of our practice. But I really want us, starting with the temptation and the uh, Sermon on the Mount to understand the things that began at the baptism of John through the ascension as we move towards Holy Week and our own celebration. Let's pray.